good-looking guy with big muscles. The caption says, Dear men, what is preventing you from looking like this? We live under the tyranny of perfection, surrounded by glossy images of people with perfect bodies, perfect resumes, and perfect lifestyles, and nowhere more so than on social media. And while we all kind of know that what we see on Facebook or Instagram isn't real, that doesn't mean that we don't judge ourselves against it. And so we strive to achieve in ourselves and in our own life the kind of perfection that we see portrayed so convincingly in the movies and on our cell phone screens. Now our culture may have perfected this art, but striving after a false standard is nothing new. 
Consider the Pharisees. As we hear in today's gospel, the evangelists portray them as a group obsessed with perfection. And in their case, much more admirably than in our present culture's obsession with passing superficial things like beauty, money, or success, the Pharisees were quite concerned with keeping the law of God, the Torah. They were so concerned, in fact, with keeping the law perfectly that they built what they called a fence around the law, a lot of other little laws that they had come up with, so that they would not only avoid breaking any of the commandments, but they would avoid even coming close to breaking one of the commandments. The problem is that in doing so, they created a false standard of perfection. And the Pharisee we hear about in today's parable is the epitome of striving after a false standard. After all, the Torah prescribed one day of fasting per year on Yom Kippur, and this Pharisee fasts twice every week. The Torah called for the Jews to tithe 10% of their income to the temple. And this Pharisee is proud to announce that he gives 10% of everything he has, his whole property. And while it's never wise to make sweeping generalizations as if all the Pharisees were like this one, the real deeper problem that St. Luke the Evangelist points out with this particular Pharisee is that all of his striving to live up to a false standard of perfection has resulted in the sin of pride. Pride is sinful self-preoccupation, becoming fixated on ourselves, what we can do, how successful we are, rather than looking outward at each other and upward at God. This Pharisee in the temple was not really talking to God at all. He spoke this prayer to himself. Oh God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity. As long as he succeeded at keeping the law and all the little laws they had built up around it, then he felt quite justified. He could feel smug, superior, self-satisfied. Now that's one possible outcome when we live according to a false standard. But because the standard is utterly wrong, made up, and virtually impossible for most of us to attain, the more likely outcome is that we will find our efforts to reach it are in vain. And the more we strive after a false standard, the more we get burned out, exhausted, and convinced of our own inadequacy. And behind all of our striving and failing lurks the same sinful self-regard. We may be looking at ourselves with sadness and contempt, rather than conceited self-satisfaction, but the end result is the same. We're gazing at ourselves like the Pharisee, rather than gazing at one another and at God. Jesus proposes a different standard, the true standard of perfection. He proposes it by his very life, simply being who he is, true God and true man, and also by his words, as he says in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, he's God, and we're not. He's omnipotent, we're not. But God is love. As St. John tells us, God is love. 
And we, every one of us, are made in the image and likeness of God, the image and likeness of divine love. And so, therefore, we can strive by the grace of God to love as he loves, to love him and to love one another as we are loved by Jesus Christ. This, after all, Jesus says, is the first and the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So to love as Jesus loves, we first humble ourselves. Humility, the opposite of pride, the opposite of sinful self-regard, means not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Humility means accepting the truth that we are sinners, we are deeply broken and flawed, with imperfect bodies and messy lives, failing more often than we succeed, and yet we are made for love. We don't need to earn it by striving after some false standard of perfection, as if we'll finally be loved when we succeed. Rather, like the tax collector, we come before God in the truth of who we are and let ourselves be loved and strive to love God and one another as we are loved by Him. So today, dear friends, at this Holy Mass, raise your eyes, lift your gaze, and look at Jesus in the Most Holy Eucharist, and let Him look at you with His gaze of love. And as we receive Jesus in Holy Communion, pray, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, have mercy on me. And grant that I may love you with every breath, with every beat of my heart. And that I may love my brothers and sisters as you love them. As we strive for this kind of perfection, the perfection of love, forgetting ourselves and our false standards, leaving them utterly behind, we find an unexpected peace, joy, and an unshakable confidence fill our hearts. And little by little, hardly knowing how, we begin to become more and more perfect. Not in the image of some celebrity, but in the image of the all-perfect God, Jesus Christ. And we who humble ourselves for the sake of love will be exalted, not on Instagram, but in the kingdom of heaven, with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit now and ever, and unto the ages of ages. Amen.